Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace back. I'm still here in Dallas heading home directly after the show, which means, by the way, Aaron, I forgot to tell you before the show, no overtime. I've got a flight to catch, so I got to go. I'm on my own. So, And there's Aaron. You're on your own. Okay. If you want, there can either be no overtime or you can wax poetic about your best and worst of the week if you would like, because Todd is gone. There's Aaron, by the way, back in Des Moines. Good to see you again, brother. And based on the latest report we got from Todd, it may be a bit before we see him because... I am not permitting him anywhere near us with what he is reporting uh, is going on with him right now. I mean, I, we don't want that smoke. We do not want that anywhere near you and I's homesteads. We don't want to risk bringing that home. Um, and I'm making an executive decision. I told him today, do not come back until you are well for at least 24 hours. He is still having spiking fevers. It's like day four or five. Oh. So, I mean, let's hope he gets better soon. But uh, he's not coming back, Aaron. Until he is better. I got to protect my asset. You. <laughs> yeah, I, I. it's pretty bizarre. I mean, Todd Todd rarely gets sick. And when he gets sick, he's usually over it, over you know, two or three days, something like that. This is something else. I don't know what he got. He said, he sent us a, a, a text this morning. This is how bad it is. He said, this sucks Lindsey Graham. That's, that's bad. Yeah, he's dropping Lindsey Graham jokes. The guy who cringes every time I do it, he is now dropping Lindsey Graham jokes. So that ought to tell you where he is at. All right. We're going to have uh, a couple of people, though, from here uh, inside the Posh Blaze Studios join us for the day group in a matter of moments. Uh, names you know. Stu is here. Rob Eno is here. So we are looking forward to that. Uh, we'll get to feedback Friday in the next hour also. Uh, your chance or our chance to respond to your responses to us. Before we get started, I want to just give a quick shout out to the fine folks over at the Vitae Foundation. Uh, I'm down here this week because they had me come down and uh, do a couple of speaking engagements for them. And they just phenomenal events, uh, first class all the way. Great group of people had a chance to talk to a lot of folks. And so wanted to thank them and any of you uh, here in the DFW that showed up uh amy and i really enjoyed ourselves and uh it i i have been to a country club for a uh, for a dinner i want to say maybe three times in my life okay maybe in my life and i've already and i went two times to different country clubs here in dallas this week by the way if you ever get a chance to go i mean i'm not paying for it that's how i got to go (laughs) so you ever get to go to the dallas country club over there you need to get the dessert called the pecan roll that is next freaking level stuff all right just a little tip there for you on the dope rhyme here's another one uh our friends over at first cup coffee they're a christian-owned patriot coffee company that stands for core values like family and building community across the nation with freshly roasted beans delivered in ground or whole bean whole bean texture pods bulk 11 roast profiles also available there's a flavor for every freedom loving american and they don't sell burnt coffee like you get at starbucks and other places sold in one pound bags when most of the time you only get eight to 12 ounce bags shipped within days of being roasted so ditch the grocery store coffee that could have been sitting on the shelves for up to two years first cup places the roast date on each bag and they sponsor this portion of the program beginning with the day script
your weekly look at the week that was. And yes, it's been a minute since uh, Stu's been on here. I need to remind you, Stu, we have completely ripped everything off from the McLaughlin Group, the logo, the imaging, uh, the music, uh, the format, everything. Uh, but since it's a, tax- a taxpayer-subsidized platform, we think we're okay. Plus, John McLaughlin is dead now, so there's no one to bitch or complain. All right, so let's get to it. Uh, issue one, bleep, Lord Nefarious says... I hate about America after spending lots of time overseas, part one. This one might piss people off, but the patriotism. A flag on every single street is just simply unnecessary. American flag hats, the American apparel, just, it's everything, you know what I'm talking about. We push this American agenda on everyone who lives here so hard. I come to you today as a transgender woman, as a queer woman, as a member of the LGBTQ community, and I come to you today to denounce the duplicitous and divisive propaganda spread by the occupation regime. And when we go to other countries, it's just not pushed that hard. When you go to other countries, they just, they rep their country without being literally annoying about it. I'm going to give this opportunity and we're going to remember the murder of George Floyd. George Floyd was killed in these days because of the murder of George Floyd. Today, this murder that was killed by George Floyd Number two, the English language obsession. Don't you think it's a problem that almost 80% of America, of our country, literally only speaks English? All of you, you need to know, I swear to God, why you Allah, you are on the right side of history. I know at the hospital, sir, people all over the region um, are upset about the hospital and don't necessarily believe uh, you or the Israelis that they didn't have anything to do with it. Do you have a message to the people in the streets right now? It's that old thing. Got to learn how to shoot straight. Who in God's name needs a weapon with a hundred rounds in a chamber? And my granddaughter, <laughs> who's playing college sports, when she said, you know what? <sighs> if a trans woman was competing against me in the sport, then that just means if that person's better than me, I need to work harder. My enemies, the enemies of LGBTQ people, are right here in the in these United States. They say that Palestinians are my enemy, but that's a lie. All right, let's uh, go to the first question. Now, typically the guest gets to go first, but we have two guests here. So let's just do like old Big Ten Rose Bowl tiebreaker rules and whoever had the longest wait uh, until they got to go back, gets to go first. So, Stu, that's you. Uh, you've It's been the longest since you've been here. Mm. What was the most disgusting filth you just saw, which probably for the rest of the day has stained your brain? Uh, I can confidently say Rashida Tlaib. Um, the performance put out in that speech was just, I mean, we want to talk about disgraceful. We talk about representatives all the time and all the terrible things that they do. Uh, she is a whole nother level. She really does cross the line. And adding in the sort of best actress qualities of that little uh, crying spell she threw in the middle of that, mm-hmm. uh, she puts it over the top for me. Rob? I get like a high George Floyd, but the transgender. Right. That, that transgender guy. <laughs> um, I, it's just, it, it is insane how people on the left think that, that people that want to kill them 
are their friends, right? It's just, it takes a special level of ignorance. I remember being at a pro family thing back home over Christmas and there was, it was, there was a bunch of gay folks, fine, protesting, fine. One of them had a Che Guevara flag. So I calmly (laughs) went on my phone and I brought up Che Guevara and gay people mm-hmm. and went to the guy and I said, you know what? I love that you're here. It's America. You protest. I just want you to know that the guy on your flag would have put you against the wall and right. shot you. Right. And then he read it. And then I think he went to his own phone and read it. And the flag was put in his car because he just didn't mm. know because wow. they're so ignorant about what this stuff is. So that always gets me. I mean, the, the, the fact that the LGBT community supports Hamas who probably wants to kill them before they kill Jews. Right. Is just, it's absolutely insane. I, I said, we, when we played this clip earlier this week on the show, I, I said this and you guys weren't here. So I want to say it to you guys. If, if that man, uh, uh who claims they are, uh, or I, I, I forgot what designation were they? Was, was he claiming to be a she or is he that was an actual... He was claiming to be a transgendered woman. Okay, all right. If that, if that man walked down the streets of Gaza right now, all right, and, and screamed out, gays for Palestine, Alex Stein style, okay, <laughs> before, before the, the, the men who did the raping, pillaging, and plundering that we saw uh, two weeks ago uh, in Israel would, would have a chance. Some 120-pound administrative assistant for Hamas in full hijab and garb would take a knife and slit his throat in broad daylight for Allah oh, yeah. and not even think twice about it. And get cheered on. And get cheered on for doing so. And wouldn't yeah. even need the, uh, the berserker drugs that apparently no, Hamas no, took. No, would, would, she'd be like filing photos yeah. in Arabic, right? Hear that someone was down the street screaming out gays for Palestine, just calmly put the photos down. Walk out of the Hamas, well, it'd probably be a school, walk out of the school <laughs> pretending, to, that, that, pretending to be a school, which is really their offices, just walk calmly outside of the school, pull a knife right out of her pocket, uh, fully covered, of course, and just slit his throat from ear to ear right there, and then just calmly go right back into the school and go back, you know, to filing, fo- you know, or filing, or more likely destroying files. Mm. And, okay? and you, know, you know what's interesting is Rashida Tlaib says that she supports them. If they saw the pictures out in front of her office with the Palestinian flag and the rainbow flag, they'd probably do the same thing to her. Exactly. Which tells you what this is really about, ultimately. This is about the undoing of Western civilization. And, and that's, that's, the, that's the only thing that unites all of these various strains of thought and behavior that couldn't possibly coexist with one another if they were left together on an island, is, is a hatred for Western civilization. They all are after the same goal, and the enemy of my enemy is my friend. It just they have different approaches and, and the stew that they that they are willing to undertake to do it, different talking points that they're willing to 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 craft a narrative with to do it. But the what's the one commonality between all these disparate factions? It's the undoing of West it's a desire to undo Western civilization. Now I could be reading this wrong, but I don't maybe you're I don't think you're for the ceasefire. Am I am I reading that I'm, right? I'm I, not. Okay. No, I just I'm, make sure. I'm for a cease I, well, the kinds of ceasefires yeah. that I'm for are usually called surrenders. Yes. I'm that's... for I'm for un, as a general rule, I'm mm-hmm. in favor of unconditional surrender. And that is what you would get from Israel. You yeah. get a ceasefire if you got an unconditional surrender not from every Palestinian mm-hmm. citizen, but just from Hamas. You, you can't coexist with people like this. 
You can't coexist with people who have a charter that say they want to kill every single Jew. And think about the fact you think you need to actually say that. I, because you do. It's remarkable. It is. Because you do have to say, I mean, here's the reality of the situation for the uh, proportionality and uh, crowd, okay? Um, here's the reality. If if Israel laid down, or if Hamas laid down its all of its weapons right now, more people, Jew, Christian, and Muslim alike, would live. If the Israelis laid down their weapons right now, more people, Jew, Christian, and Muslim alike, would be dead. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just as plain as I think you could possibly put this entire story. It is true. And, and you bring up the proportionality of the response. You know, we never hear about what, what's supposed to be done, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, is, are, is, is Israel supposed to send in a bunch of soldiers to rape a bunch of I mean, people? I mean, Vivek Ramaswamy is saying, well, just go out there and murder Hamas's top 100 commanders. Do you know where they are? Right. They, they're, Good luck. You know what? They're all in their own like Pentagon-like compound where just one Moab will take them <laughs> right. all out. They're not like interspersed. They're not spread out. They're, they're just... It, it, everybody... It, 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 you can buy that deck of cards mm. at a GameStop, all right, and just go find these guys and take them all out. It's just that simple. It doesn't make much sense. And uh, I don't, they're not like high school football recruits. They don't have like a top 100 list and right. they all come in for visits. Right. That's not how this works. Right. Uh, and it's fascinating to watch it, too. I mean, because, you know... For all the the truth that we're supposed to hear about all the uh, you know s- the civilized citizens of Gaza, you know we didn't even get proportionate visits out of Joe Biden. He mm-hmm. went to Israel, never considered going to Gaza. Mm-hmm. Why? They're mm-hmm. such peaceful people. It's just it, like you have to actually take this and look at what the media is saying and what the left is saying and take it take it seriously and pick it apart piece by piece. I know they don't care. They don't care about the truth. All they wanted right. to do right. is destroy Western civilization, as right. you said. But yep. each part of this still needs to be destroyed every day. Aaron. So I, I need to apologize. I don't know if uh, our audience caught. I accidentally used the exact same clip multiple times in that montage, and I just didn't see it till we went on the air. It's the Rashida Tlaib clip towards the beginning and then the Wisconsin state representative towards the end. It's the same clip. Mm. It's both God killer stuff, as Todd would say, if he were here, Mm -hmm. it's God killer Mm -hmm. stuff. He's talking about his granddaughter, his granddaughter telling him, Hey, if a dude beats me up while I'm playing collegiate sports, it just means I need to get better. If that guy went to, I don't know, a volleyball match where his granddaughter was playing, And she got a 150 mile an hour spike right into her face, crushed all of her, all of her bones in her, in her face. Would he be saying the same thing? And the answer is yes. This is again, as Todd would say, since he's not here and I'll just channel him again. This is invincible ignorance. Fundamentally, what you saw in that clip, whether it's the Hegelian dialectic of that, uh, that dude pretending to be a woman, uh, you know, uh, standing for Palestinian rights or whether it's that Wisconsin state legislator, it's invincible ignorance. It's the dogma of demons, the doctrine of demons. It's fundamentally comes from the same place. It is God killer stuff. You cannot coexist. This type of ideology, whether it's the Hegelian dialectic, whether it's the men can become women on one side, or it's the Hamas on the other side, you cannot be reasoned with these people. You cannot be reasoned with you cannot bargain with, it must be defeated, or else it will continue, continue to spread like the cancer it is. Well said. Exit question on a scale of 1 to 10. With 1 being how reliable polls are these days, and 10 being how much Lindsey Graham relies on <laughs> polls most days. <laughs> Rank this week's level of total depravity. Rob. 
As usual, it's a one because it can always get worse. It can always get worse. Aaron? I'm at a 10. You're at a 10? What about you, Stu? I would go with an eight. I'm going to go with an eight. I think there's still some room. <laughs> wow. Who knew we booked two optimists here on the show? <laughs> Indeed. Before we get to issue two, a, a word about our friends over at Eden Pure. Their outstanding thunderstorm air purifier has been a huge hit with our show uh, since they came on board uh, back last year. Uh, and it's a huge hit overall. They've got thousands of five-star reviews online. Why? Uh, because this thing is not an air freshener. It's an air purifier. It kills what is causing the strong odors in your home, whether that's from cooking, cigarette smoke, litter boxes, trash cans, a lot of bacteria, uh, even uh, the mildew smell in the basement is no match for the thunderstorm air purifier that's filterless, so you won't be, re won't be replacing filters either out of your own pocket or time uh, when you go with the thunderstorm air purifier from Eden Pure. And right now you can save. You can save $200 and get all three units for under $200 plus free shipping. When you go to EdenPureDeals.com and enter the discount code Steve. EdenPureDeals.com, enter the discount code Steve for $200 off the three-unit uh, package for whole home protection plus free shipping at EdenPureDeals.com, discount code Steve. Let's go to issue two. Pick a speaker. Any speaker. Here's the chain of events. Matt Gates introduces a motion to vacate the chair. Patrick McHenry becomes the Speaker pro tempore. Steve Scalise opens his bid to become House Speaker, and that fails. Jim Jordan opens his bid to become House Speaker. Jim Jordan waves the white flag after two rounds of voting and indicates he supports Patrick McHenry having expanded power till January. On the very same day, Jim Jordan waves the black flag and says he's not exiting the Speaker race. I plan to go to the floor. Uh, and get the votes and win this race. But I want to go talk with a, a few of my colleagues. Particularly, I want to talk with the 20 individuals who voted against me um, so that we can move forward and begin to work for the American people. Make it make sense. Well, now it's 25 because we did have a... Th so we were here yesterday. At this time yesterday, Jordan let it be known he's not going to push for a third round. And he was going to go with the whole unconstitutional peak, uh, speaker pro tem, uh, you know, solution, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, that would be the banana. That would be the peel of our banana republic, folks. Uh, that someone getting elected speaker without getting elected speaker. And it's not an important position at all. It's only third in line to the presidency of the United States. Then by about an hour after he got off the air yesterday, Jordan, as Aaron just pointed out, reversed himself. Then we went to bed last night. We weren't entirely sure there would be a vote today. Then there was going to be, there was a vote today. It took place actually just a few minutes ago. And now we're up to 25 people voting against Jim Jordan for speaker. So here is my fear. My, my, there, when we did this in January, I was all for it because there was a plan. And the plan was either to, to stop Kevin McCarthy from becoming speaker, which would open the door for someone else, or to extract so many concessions out of him that he would be weakened if he assumed the position. That plan was, was executed. This time, there was not a plan. Who thought Kevin McCarthy was a great speaker in this room in April? May, June, July. August, meaning at any point, this could have been like thought out and a plan could have been executed because it wasn't like we just got suddenly new evidence of three weeks ago, okay, that we had to do this now. There could have been a plan. There wasn't a plan. And so here's my fear. We at least had these people, they were back there when, when Gates made the original call. 
they were they were back there. And Rob, you know this. You've got as much experience with this stuff behind the scenes as I do, probably. You know they were back there counting heads in the caucus. All right, who's taking the crummy vote this time? Who's going to expose themselves this time? Right. Who's got the tougher reelect? Right, blah blah. Who's got more Trump voters in their district? They're all doing that math, and it's all coordinated to 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 try to have the least amount of exposure and and liability of them as a group as possible. Because there was always way more people that wanted to vote against Jim Jordan as, as speaker. I told you that the other nights too. Mm-hmm. All right, and so they do it the first time. The the vote happens what on a Friday. And it's all weekend long now, all this heat and Trump and, and press releases and, and, and conservative media can just pound these guys, right? And the, and the big thing was if they could survive Monday, and they not only survived Monday, but more people voted against him than did the previous day. Mm-hmm. And what did I tell you was going to happen? That the next time they did this, even more would do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because this is all it appears we're going to accomplish with this. And tell me I'm wrong. There was at least a thought that between fear of Trump and his base and fear of us and our audiences, that they couldn't just openly betray us. And that if we waited them out long enough, then then the calls that people like Glenn Beck could generate into their offices would wear them down and they'd wear down and, and vote the way we want them to, right? What you're seeing is the opposite effect. Their resolve is actually getting is, is actually getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we're, my fear is we're actually teaching them now that we don't, like to use a poker term, we don't have the nuts. We went all in and, you know, we were kind of hoping to get lucky on the draw. We had Jack 10 suited. We didn't have big slick. We didn't even have a pair. We, were, we just thought, eh, it's, okay. it's an okay hand. Maybe we'll get lucky on the draw or, or maybe because we went all in, you'll get afraid and you'll fold. They didn't fold. And now our hand's out in the open. Our you-know-whats are flopping in the wind. And so they take another vote today, three days between the last one. More people vote against Jordan. The resolve is going to go stronger. Maybe Mitch McConnell's right. We can just screw this base out in the open to their faces. They have they don't have the nuts. They don't have they can't punch us. They don't they're toothless. They can't do anything to us. We don't have to fear Trump anymore. We don't have to fear conservative media and their audiences anymore. We can just screw these people out in the open and there's nothing they can do to us. Please tell me I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. And I think we, you know, this is why you don't take catastrophic risks with almost no upside. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I think Jordan would have been better than McCarthy. I think that would have been a nice improvement. I agree. Yeah. Um, he, you know, still would have been very limited in what he could do. Although, overall. did you have a little few doubts that he was really going to go to the mattresses over Ukraine spending when at this time yesterday he was like, I think I'm going to go uh, ahead and go with the unconstitutional off- yeah. option. And they yeah. were also saying he was trying to, you know, he was bribing some of the New York uh, representatives with the salt situation, which mm-hmm. was a big part of the Trump tax cut, right? right? Like, right. so reversing that was a part of on the table. You know, again, these guys have to, at some level, do these deals, especially when you have a four-seat majority. Of course, the big lesson to learn is don't have a four-seat majority. Have a 40-seat majority, and this gets a heck of a lot easier. But, you know, going down this road where you have, they, they, they're, they're popping out, oh, well, we're getting death threats. We're getting these nasty calls. We're getting insulted. And you start creating these little factions of people who will do anything in the world except give that guy what he wants. Mm-hmm. Matt Gates can't get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Jim Jordan can't get what he wants. Mike, uh, Kevin McCarthy can't get what he wants. And then with a four-seat majority, there's no way to go forward. This is why, and I'm so glad you said it, 
you don't do these things without a plan. And I'm it's not even a plan, it's a it's an ironclad plans plan. Plans are for cucks in this era, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only cucks have plans. Exactly. We just storm the Bastille every day. That's all we do with no plan. No plan. Yeah. Let's in see. fact, we take pride yeah. in not having a plan. Yeah. But we have a meme, Stu. Mm-hmm. We don't have a plan, but damn it, we've got a killer meme. Yeah, and I think that's how much would you say, Steve, of Congress right now? What percentage is out there for memes and you know, wants wants to essentially do what we do every day. They want to come in there and they want to run their mouth and do a talk show, except they're employed by Congress instead of by the Blaze or Fox News. Mm-hmm. And that's not how this is supposed to work. Again, like, you know, you listen to Gates in his initial speech. There's plenty in there that we would all agree with. Yeah, we're spending too much. Yeah, we think there's a lot of problems going on in Congress. But to do this without a plan gave you a very minimal upside. Like, even if you got Jordan through... He's still, you only have the House. You don't have the presidency. You don't have the Senate. There's only so much he can do. He would have been really good with these investigations. There would have been, I think, a lot of good if Jordan couldn't got through. But the upside was there, but not incredibly high. The next best solutions you're talking about are basically McCarthy part two, right? Either McCarthy again mm-hmm. or McHenry or Scalise someone had similar. Scalise had the exact same voting record as McCarthy. Exactly. Yeah. You're right in that same pocket. Yeah. And now we start opening up to the much worse or catastrophic situations right. where, you know, I mean, if the Democrats were smart, I think what they would do is come out and in block vote for the most moderate Republican they can find that they talk to behind the scenes and get all sorts of concessions from and put 212 on the board for some moderate Republican and tempt four or five of those Republicans to just switch sides. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it the first time they tried it. There's just, you know, luckily they're dumb enough to just keep rolling Hakeem Jeffries out there, which probably will never happen. Yeah, they're hopefully. in troll mode too. They just, yeah. they just want Fox News to run a graphic that says Hakeem Jeffries got the most vote yeah. for Speaker. Which is, they're not thinking either. They're, they're just in a troll mode as well. It's yeah. a disgrace from beginning to end. Yes, It really is. Rob? Well, I, I will say, just to be on the optimistic side, they're not getting anything done. And when Congress that gets nothing done, yeah. I'm more free. See, I don't care that they're not so, doing anything. Yeah. I care that we're showing no, 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 our yeah. ass. That yeah, we're showing yeah. we don't have political capital. Absolutely. And moving forward, wh- yeah. whatever happens after this primary, this election, moving forward into the future, you guys can knife us in the chest now, out in the open. This, you don't even have to lie anymore. This would work better if we were in the middle of primary season next spring. And we could primary one of these guys. And, and make an example out of them. You mean if we had a... If, if we right. had a Plan. Plan. Right. If we had a plan. Plans are for cucks, Rob. Plans are for cucks. I'm reliably informed on Twitter every day. Plans are for cucks, but we have a killer meme. Exactly. Pepe United shall always be defeated. Yes. Is I think what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's um but yeah, I mean I I can't be sad that Kevin McCarthy's gone, but again, we didn't have a plan. Yeah. Um, to add to that too, I, you know, you, you talk about not doing something, which I'm for. Like I, I them doing nothing is probably the best outcome. The one thing I will say though is we were getting new information on Hunter Biden in these investigations almost daily because of the investigation this that is we're what going chip on. said on our show three weeks ago when this was launched yeah he said hey we've got maximum leverage with mccarthy right now we've got january 6th footage he's willing to put out there yeah. i just learned that we're sitting on like hours of it here at the company yesterday yeah. that that we can't release yet because this thing just put a put a fly in that ointment exactly right? and that was chip's thing chip said we've got a f- 40 days to negotiate this leverage thing and to push mccarthy furthest to the right we can and if he doesn't deliver on the f- january 6th footage or the budget then we kick him out and we knife him then but why would you exhaust an asset until it's exhausted when there's no other plan? Mm-hmm. That's what he said. And my inbox, hey, uh, Chips betrayed us. Chips a cock. <laughs> Derps. I mean, this is foolish. It, it, it's just, it's, it's okay mm-hmm. to be smart. It's okay <laughs> to be smart. 
Aaron. Oh, yeah, very quickly. I, I, I think the reality here is that the 15 or so Republicans who originally got all of those concessions from uh, Kevin McCarthy back in uh, January, they still hold some cards here. I don't agree. I don't agree that there was some sort of fear of backlash that the establishment of the Republican Party felt from Trump or from their constituents. The thing that elitists fear the most, even more than death, is being embarrassed. And they feared the embarrassment of getting one of their guys kicked out of his chair, which happened. And now we're left with the, well, no plan, as you've uh, aptly put. I think what you can do to actually make them fear us, just be a stick in the mud. I'm not voting for any speaker until we get our speaker or until we get the same concessions from one of your guys. Make all of these Republicans, if they really, really want a speaker, make them go on the record doing a unity ticket with some Democrat. Make them vote for a Democrat. Make them vote for a squish. They can still hold out here. And as Rob said, you know, nothing's getting done. So that's that's fine with me. I, I I agree with your with what you're strategizing there. The only reason I didn't proffer that myself is because by Jordan puckering at this time yesterday, then it's probably going to take a lot more votes to do that than it would have done had he not done that. Because now they're like, oh, okay, take two or three more votes. Is he going to pucker again? Right? I mean, does Jim Jordan strike you as the, we'll do 15 rounds of this like Kevin McCarthy guy? No. I might have said yes until yesterday at this time, and now we don't know the answer to that. But maybe they'll test it. Let's get to the exit question. True or false? Jim Jordan will eventually be elected Speaker of the House. Stu. Uh, unfortunately, false. Rob. False. Aaron. False. Plans are for cucks. But we do have a killer meme. I'm, I'm shocked that that strategy isn't just crushing the long march to the institutions on the other side. So last year, we introduced you to the Jace case uh, from the folks over at Jace Medical. They watched what happened during the scandemic and were very concerned. You know, we can want to look at different data and come up with different conclusions about whether it was efficacious at all or different stages of infection it was efficacious at all. When we're talking about drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, reasonable and educated people and smart people can disagree. But we suddenly said that those medications were now dangerous. Hydroxychloroquine had been given to tens of millions of people around the world over the last 60 years. Ivermectin just won a Nobel Prize in the last decade and before it was repurposed, as many antibiotics are for, for, animal, for animals, and then dubbed horse paste and was then called dangerous by Merck, its manufacturer, who received the Nobel Prize for creating it. And they saw that and they said, you know what, who knows, maybe the next time we have a quote-unquote emergency, maybe something like amoxicillin, doxycycline. Again, venerable antibiotics. Maybe they'll be the next on the hit list. So let's make sure you're prepared with those. Well, now they want to make sure that your drugs... The meds you need are not next on the hit list for the next EUA adventure we have to take as a society. So whether we're dealing with diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, mental health, or more, 
Make sure you've got a backup now of 12 months on your medications that you need. We get that peace of mind from our friends over at Jace Medical. JaceMedical.com is where you can go. J-A-S-E for JaceMedical.com. Use the discount code DACE at checkout uh, for a discount on your order. That's promo code DACE at JaceMedical.com. Once again, DACE is the promo code at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, JaceMedical.com. All right, let's get back here to our weekly look at the week that was. I'm down here in Dallas, joined in studio by our colleagues, Stu and also uh, Robino. Let's get to issue three. Bombing hospitals and the fog of war. Terrorists lie. On Tuesday, the airwaves and social media pages were inundated with reports from Hamas that the evil Israelis had conducted an airstrike on an unsuspecting Baptist hospital in Gaza overnight Tuesday into Wednesday that killed 500 people. Despite reports that Hamas was going to start barraging Tel Aviv and other targets once again with rockets, and despite the fact that there were ample videos right away showing Hamas rockets being launched and one rocket misfiring before exploding on the ground, mainstream media, multiple Democrats in multiple Middle Eastern countries ran with the narrative that Israel had bombed a hospital. Well, the sun came up on Wednesday morning, and wouldn't you know, there was no bomb crater at the hospital. In fact, there was no structural damage to the hospital at all. Instead, it appears the misfired Hamas rocket hit the parking lot of the hospital, destroying multiple cars and blowing out a few windows. True or false, Aaron, I'll start with you. Um, the ghost of Kiev blew up the Hamas hospital. True or false? Absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, this is the only way this story could have ended whatsoever. It is fascinating. It is fascinating watching so many people learning so few lessons in the aftermath of, of incidents like this. The same people, again, there was a, another hoax uh, yesterday. I believe it was... Something about Israel striking a, a group of, of young people or babies or something like that. It, it was just same people, same people propping up the narrative that Israel uh, performed this airstrike on this hospital overnight with no warning whatsoever. Same people just falling for the same hoaxes over and over again. And I, I don't know if this is just flat out anti-Semitism or if this is just, hey, I'm looking for clicks that hate the game, not the player type of thing. Regardless, it's disgusting. It's just disgusting because it is fundamentally devoid of truth or any desire for the truth, as we have talked about ad nauseum over the past couple of weeks. So, yeah, Ghost of Kiev, why not? Why not? That's the only way this thing is going to end, at least when it comes to uh, the airwaves and the, uh, the Twitter pages. Rob, what did you think of, uh, I don't know if you saw this this morning, Elon Musk uh, went and removed the verification badge from the uh, New York Times official Twitter feed. I don't know if it's, he's restored it or not, but. It's just, I, I love Elon. <laughs> Doing that is just so stupid. And I get that he's trying to hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I guess that he's trying to do that stuff. But there needs to be some sort of like, you know that it's the right person. I I, I don't want to be a you know a left wing cuck or something, but there's got to be a little bit of it. So I, I I enjoy the sentiment. I enjoy that he's trying to to tweak them, but you know that now we'll have somebody else that says they're the New York Times, and well, well maybe they'll just report the truth. So maybe that'll be good. Maybe not. I don't know. What was your Stu? What was the first hint for you that maybe this story wasn't legit? 
Um, could it could it be that it came from Hamas, or was it maybe before that? I, when, when it when it's a gleam in the mm. in, in in the in the narrative writer's eye. Yeah, yes. it's fascinating because my my daughter is in uh, fifth grade. She's doing uh, division by decimals right now. She's learning that, and she's you know she can try to figure it out. And I before she starts, I said, hey, look, before you even begin any of the division, just look at the big numbers, right? If it's you know five point seven three and going into seventy three point eight five. Just look at the basics, right? Like, what's 70 divided by 5? You're going to know basically the answer, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be in the general vicinity. So when you do your work and it comes out to be 8,000, you know you're wrong, right? Like, you you could check your work before you start. And that's what needed to be done here. Just use critical thinking. Hamas... What's it, what is that? This is going to... I'll try to explain <laughs> it. I don't know okay. that I can. Okay. Hamas is an organization that just went into Israel and killed 1,300 people, raped and murdered against an army that obviously could destroy all of them, right? They know on a one-on-one -on -one battle, they can't win. Their plan is to escalate this to chaos and create a regional or world war to rain down chaos on, among the, uh, the around the whole world and bring back the 12th Imam, or mm -hmm. God only knows what the end of their, of their vision is. On the other side is Israel, where the only way they can lose is if it turns into chaos and a regional war and a world war where everyone around them is, is going after them. That's the one thing they want to stop. They want to avoid. So when you think about would Israel intentionally bomb a hospital, your immediate starting point has to be hell no. Of course they wouldn't. It's the craziest thing they could possibly do. But Stu, maybe, maybe the five Jews that I'm reliably informed control all of American mm. media with a shadowy Zionist conspiracy all of their phones just went dead. Their email accounts uh, went, were locked and they weren't able to get the proper script out in time. Mm. And so this Hamas narrative against their shadowy Zionistic ironclad will, uh, this this Hamas narrative just instantly was able uh, to pollute the water table of uh, America's uh, journalistic integrity. It could be that. I mean, I will say this. We've learned that Jews are very bad at controlling the media. That's the one right. thing I've learned. I want to say, we, 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 as a society, we basically suck on every level and now they're the shadowy Zionistic Jewish cabal <laughs> that runs the media, they suck too. Oh. If we can't even rely on a shadowy Zionistic Jewish cabal, where, what's even happening here? <laughs> All right, let's let's try to let's let's try to be serious for a second. And I want us to instead of answering the exit question, I want us to discuss it. All right. I think that Biden actually went there this week to try and delay a ground invasion of Gaza. Um Netanyahu has a similar instinct that some of our more recent American politicians have of talking real tough and and then, you know, uh, beating his sword into a plowshare when the time comes. OK, and so I, I believe that the Biden administration mobilized to go there to try to hold off the momentum against a ground invasion of Gaza and kind of, you know, kind of a Dickie Vitale, get it to you, baby, kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. OK, see, if we can just everybody cooler heads prevail. And, you know, maybe this can be more surgical and maybe Vivek is right. And we can just go find the top 100 Hamas commanders and just take them out one by one where they're all just hanging out at this one sports bar. OK, so um, I, I, th let's get to the exit question. Do you believe Israel will launch a potentially bloody ground invasion of Gaza, and then why or why not, and then what you think that means either way. So I'll start with you, Rob. Yeah, I think that they're going to. I think that they have to. Um, they they can't go back to a status quo. Um, what happened, I think, was a red line. What that means for the world, I don't know. But I, I do know. I do think that they are going to reclaim Gaza 
and it will be part of Israel once again, and they will, and they will administer it. I think that that is inevitable. Um, that that will happen. Um, I didn't think of him going there to try and try and delay that. Um, but yeah, I think that that I think that's the only outcome from this, and I think it's going to be. You know, we we talk about the the bombing of the the hospital or the the stray rocket um and that 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 invasion that there is a tinder box i think around mm-hmm. the world my um I, I i did some some research so my 38th great grandfather charles martel is you know turning over in his grave that what he did at tours was in vain a thousand years later or, mm-hmm. or 1400 years later right um it, it's they have governments around this world have no control. The French government said, "You will not protest," and they went out in the biggest numbers. So, are you like not just the guy in our newsroom staff? Are you like the Holy Roman Emperor? Then, I mean, if you're descended from Charles, I, I don't Martel? know. <laughs> Stu might be closer. He's 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 more Belgian than I am, so he might okay. be closer. Okay. So I, I I don't know, but I mean, I don't know what the protocol yeah. is now. Next time we I, have I, you I on, I think you're probably his 38th great grandson too, because I think we all are given the laws of averages. Uh, I, 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 I see where I see you're going with yeah. that. Yes. But but yes. I did do the. I, I was able to trace it all the way back. But yeah. Aaron, what about you? What do you think happened? I think it's pretty obvious that that was the intent of Joe Biden's trip over to Israel earlier this week is to try to delay. Uh, a ground invasion. I, I'm, I'm going to answer yes. I, I think they will go uh, into Gaza. And, and guys, that's not a light thing whatsoever. I mean, Jesse Kelly's been pointing out every day that goes by that they delay this invasion. That says that that gives Hamas more time to lay traps, to to set booby traps and ambushes and things of that nature. But mainly, I, I'm. I'm saying yes because I don't want to contemplate what it means if the answer is no. If the mm. answer is no, that basically what that's telling you is that the government of Israel is basically just suicidal. They cannot have any legitimacy. I hope they don't have any legitimacy in the eyes of their people if they don't do what needs to be done. So I'm just I'm going with yes because I don't want to contemplate what the ramifications are of answering no. Stu. Um, I, I agree with uh, with Jesse Kelly. Uh, I think Jesse's right uh, about the risks there. And as Jesse will tell you, he's always right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, <laughs> that's. Uh, but I think there's more concern as well, not just on what they're doing, because I think because of how well this was planned, a lot of this stuff was probably in place. Whatever Israel is going to face going in there, and I do think they will go in there. Um, I, whatever they're going to face was probably largely in place before this happened. They, this was pretty well planned, it seems, in a diabolical way. But it, what also happens is every day that goes by without this invasion, the world loses its connection to that initial incident. Yes. You know, and yep. I, I, you feel it already in yep. the media coverage. It's like yep. it, they act as if, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a tit for tat thing. I don't know. These guys are always going back and forth. Well, that, yep. no, that's not what's going on here. Yep. 1,300 people were killed. Uh, many were raped and murdered and decapitated and all the things that we know went on. And so you can't lose, you're going to lose global support every day that you wait. And of course, there, while the hospital thing was total BS, there will be bad incidents like that where, real, where mm-hmm. civilian casualties are real and Israel is responsible either by mistake or because Hamas, one of the top 100, uh, surrounded themselves <laughs> with a bunch of civilians. This is going to happen. It's going to be a long slog. I, I, I hope 
the optimism that you share here, Rob, is is right in that they will actually go far enough to say, no, we're, we're now occupying again. We, this is ridiculous to have this pocket mm -hmm. of Hamas in the middle of our country. But I, I don't know. I mean, there's reports today that they're they're considering just making a demilitarized zone, basically extending that wall and making a demilitarized zone across the entire border. And something uh, like a, a Rhineland, maybe. Yeah, that's a great every, idea. Works every time. No one's ever thought of that no, before. I know. No. So I, I just I yeah. without huh. a full dedication to removing every single person who not only is in Hamas but supports what Hamas does, and the percentages are high. Yeah. in the Palestinian territories over this. Without that as a real goal and the real end of this, this is going to happen again and again and again, and I'm afraid they're not even taking it as seriously as they should. All right, we got to move quickly to close this out. Kicker topic quickly. How many Palestinian refugees is Nikki Haley willing to harbor at her home, Aaron? <laughs> All of them. Not. Mm. Correct. Rob. Um, none, but they'll probably all go to Massachusetts where the government, because of the Constitution, will put them up in housing. So it'll be great. Stu? I'll go with negative uh, 11. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, how many Palestinian refugees should Nikki Haley be willing to harbor at her home? I would vote all of them. Uh, all right. Let's get to our predictions. Rob, I'll start with you. Um, Bill Belichick, at some point in time this season, will have coached his last game for the New England Patriots. And Ooh. it may be before the end of the season. W uh, willingly? No. Let him walk willingly. away willingly? No. You really think they get Absolutely. It, 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 Kraft is not happy. It, it is just... That would be something, the, man. The, 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 Especially because you're, you're, you're not going anywhere anyway. And, but we, we answered the question, right? We, we answered the question, was it Belichick or Brady? Yeah, that question it was, was answered. It was Brady in a landslide. Brady covered up Bill Belichick's bad personnel decisions. Um, yeah, we, we have learned... Um, that it, yeah, it, it's 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 not fun being where I was in 1991, Steve. And I, I know you have no. I and don't I'm happy don't for you don't you even freaking try I am happy for you, Detroit with Lions. your six Super Bowls. Okay? I know. I am, uh, I am happy. Get for the you hell Detroit out of Lions. here with that. Uh, oh, we sucked for one year. That's all. Right. Well, no, three, no, yeah. no. <laughs> Aaron, go ahead. At some point, and I'm not saying he's dropping out of the race, but at some point in the not-too-distant future, Vivek Ramaswamy will indeed be Tucker Carlson's de facto co-host on uh, Carlson's ex-show, uh, because he already is. He already is. That, yeah, that, that, that's already happening. Stu, yeah. fascinating. Uh, yeah. I will, I'll go football, too. Uh, yeah. This week, big matchup, five and one teams. Uh, Sunday night, Philadelphia Eagles, my Philadelphia Eagles, America's team, uh, versus the Miami Dolphins. Sadly... I just don't see a path for the Eagles to win this game. I think the Dolphins are going to win it. See, I I disagree with you. Oh, I think, it's, I think I hope it's, you're right. it's the exact same setup, the exact same spread when the uh, Dolphins went to the Bills a, a few weeks ago. Same situation. Mm. Bills were just a two-point favorite, and then that was a rally around the flag game for them, and I think it is for the Eagles I on hope Sunday it is. Too. They're so banged up with injuries. I, I don't know. I am going to predict that Mike Pence and Tim Scott will both be out of the race in November. Thanksgiving at the latest Mm -hmm. And maybe in time for the next debate, November the 8th. And endorse Nikki Haley? Uh, I don't know what they'll do. And I'm not sure that it matters all that much. I mean, I don't know. that. Do you want Mike Pence's endorsement? Asking, am I, <laughs> you know, do you want that? Probably not. He may, maybe he'll endorse um, uh, Cheney. Maybe she'll jump in the race. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Pence. I saw some people floating her for a uh, speaker. What do you guys think of that one? Oh, that'd be Liz great. Liz Cheney for speaker. They let all the Demo 212 Democrats plus what five six Republicans. I, you, you could see that happening. Do you think? <laughs> all right, I've got thirty. Ah. I, I have thirty seconds here. Let's go back to that topic. Do you think with a weekend to think about it, 
Democrats next week may said, hey, we got, we got the troll out of the way. We made Fox News run. Hakeem Jeffries got the most votes for speaker. Let's really stick the knife in these guys now. Do you think they might come back after a weekend? I mean, Rob, you're from Massachusetts. So you know more Democrats than anybody, any of us do. So you tell us how they think. Um, I mean, that's how they, they used to think. I mean, the, the, the Democratic Speaker of the House in Massachusetts got there with Republican votes. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Finneran. He was a very conservative. He probably would have been Republican in either state. I used to see him at pro-family events, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he got elected um, because the Democrats. So I could see that happening again. It's terrifying. It's a terrifying possibility and, and possible. Thank you to both of you guys for doing this. It was good to see both of you. We yeah. appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. It was right. good to be Thanks on the studio, uh, Beetle Brugger. Uh, indeed. We're going to come back, and it'll be Feedback Friday with me and Aaron when we do. Stay tuned. here with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast my last hour down here in dallas then i am uh, hopping on a big old jet airliner steve miller heading back home to iowa where it will be fall again because it is not fall here it's nice here but it's it's not fall here and i, I miss i miss my autumn and i miss todd and aaron Sounds like I'll be missing Todd a little bit longer based on the way he's feeling. But uh, I will be back uh, in Des Moines again on Monday, and uh, all three of us will be together again there. Aaron is stationed in Des Moines now, uh, and uh, you are stationed somewhere in the audience. By the way, I, I just wanted to say thank you. We, we had our most lucrative quarter in the history of this show uh, from... Uh, an advertising standpoint. So I wanted to thank, first of all, our advertising staff. I want to thank all of you. I mean, as great as the sales staff is, if our numbers of, of audience aren't there, that trend line's not happening. So thank you to all of you, and uh, especially because we don't always make this the easiest show to like. You know, we're all very opinionated. We have almost no compunction whatsoever to kiss your rear end and avoid telling you the things that we think you don't want to hear. And so we, we violate a lot of the taboos of, uh, that are largely unwritten rules within conservative media of things that you can and cannot say to the audience or about them uh, and right to their faces. <laughs> so, Despite the fact we don't make it easy for you, uh, you guys have uh, just helped us uh, to continue to grow nevertheless. And I just wanted to say in all seriousness, thank you as well. And uh, thank you again for the tremendous start we have had to the nefarious Bible study, Know Thy Enemy. Um, I mean, to hit as high as number 23 overall on Amazon like overall, like everything on Amazon uh, from a book standpoint, and it's a Bible study, is incredible. So thank you guys for that. Uh, that's off to a great start too. And your copy uh, is uh, available right now or for your, your entire small group at amazon.com if you want to go get it. Uh, know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study, very well produced by the team at 110 Pictures that did this for us. And it's myself and Dr. Jeremiah Johnston from Prestonwood Baptist from right here in Dallas, by the way. Uh, we think you'll enjoy it quite a bit. And a lot of you have already purchased it. So if you're looking for a small group curriculum, this might be what you're looking for uh, as a Bible study. I, I talked to somebody while I was down here in Dallas this week who told me that uh, uh, their son, uh, she has struggled to get him engaged spiritually. And she took him to see Nefarious and he absolutely loved it. 
And now for the first time, he's going to, he's, he's agreed to do a Bible study with her and it's the know thy enemy nefarious Bible study. So that's why we do what we do is for stories just like that. So, so thank you to all of you uh, for uh, making it possible. We appreciate you. We'd also appreciate it if you'd leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Uh, hit subscribe or in the case of iTunes, follow. That way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your feed every single time. And thank you to all of you that have done those things too. And thank you to our friends at Patriot Mobile who have really been on the vanguard of building a necessity in in the current America. And, and that's the parallel economy. And it's not fully realized yet, but thankfully one place where it is, is with a product that we all need to use in this day and age. That's our mobile phones. And if you want to be a part of America's only American mobile phone company left, make the switch today to Patriot Mobile. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They'll have extra ways to say thank you uh, for your service to the country. Uh, And for the rest of us, you get outstanding customer service. Anytime you want to switch networks, you can within the Patriot Mobile network. If there's another uh, network out there that is better for where you now live, Uh, Make that switch anytime for free. They have an outstanding customer service team. You'll get a free activation as well if you sign up today and use the offer code Steve at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Again, that's patriotmobile.com slash Steve or call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. All right, Aaron, you ready for some feedback Friday? You bet. All right, let's, let's get it started with this note from Rocco. Rocco says, and that, by the way, that name needs to make it a make a comeback. That is a cool friggin' name, okay? Rocco is a name that needs to make a comeback. Side note. Anyway, back to Rocco's note. I'm a longtime listener who's decided to finally get up and do something about the rot of the GOP. I am running for county chair in my small, rural, upstate New York county with the goal of toppling the establishment using a bottom-up committeeman strategy. Do you have any advice for me? I do, but Rocco, it may not be the advice you expect. I don't know. Maybe it will be. We'll see. Build as many relationships as possible. Be seen at as many events in public as possible. Be around these people socially as much as possible. And here's why I suggest this. One of the things that you have to learn in many enterprises, business, for example, relationships, and especially in politics, is how to flesh out the false objection. And not waste your time on those who cannot be convinced. The problem is figuring out who that is. For example, were you listening last hour, Rocco? Our colleague Robino told a story about how he went to a pro-family event last Christmas. He was back home for Christmas in his native Massachusetts last year. And he, while he was there, he checked out a pro-family event. And there were a bunch of rainbow jihadists that were protesting outside. And one of them, he noticed, was wearing a Che Guevara shirt. And so he went on his phone and he Googled Che Guevara and gays and he found out, he showed him stories about how Che Guevara was in favor of shooting homosexuals. The guy went on his own phone and looked at it for himself, saw it was real, 
and went and put his uh, rainbow flag away and took off the Che Guevara shirt and left. You heard him say that story last hour, Rob, or Aaron, right? Rob just said that story last yep. hour. That's a cool story. Well, if you, had, if you had profiled that person on the outset, would you think that that approach would work? Probably not. But it did. Okay? So, it, when you commiserate with people, if you look at, let me, you know, I learned this lesson early on. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very missional minded. And a lot of times when people see that in me, they take that as that I don't like people or I'm aloof and it's really just focus. I'm not, I'm not an anti, I'm not anti people at all. I'm just focused on an outcome and small talk is just kind of not my thing. And, uh, you know, one of my mentors, the late great Jan Michelson took me aside early in my career and he said, Hey man, given how hard edged you're going to be with your, with your principles on the air. You're going to need to be a lot more just regular Steve guy off the air. People are going to need to know there's a real person there. Because you're going to push their buttons in the arena a lot. And so you're going to have support staff and sales staff and managerial staff. You know, you're going to want to make sure they know that if they're going to stand by you when you're going to push those buttons that you're a team player and you stand by them. It's not a one-way street. And I hadn't even thought about that. I, had, I hadn't even thought about the patronage aspect of this business. I hadn't even thought about it. I was just so focused on, you know, I knew the time was coming that I was going to, that, that the date when we were going to make the switch from sports to, to being in news. And I, I spent so much more time doing research and prep to get ready to step into that platform and, I was so focused on the mission and my worldview and, you know, before I know it, months go by and I'm walking down the hall of the building and people that I knew and was friendly with and played fantasy football and stuff with are looking at me like I'm a freak show now, you know, and like my show's unsellable. And it's because I forgot the patronage part of the enterprise. We're people, we're not algorithms, we're not formulas. And all of a sudden now, you know, I'm, I'm using the same conviction that I used in sports to talk on, on news. But when it's about sports, people kind of thought, well, in the end, it's really not that important. So, all right. If he, if he has that opinion on something involving sports, it's just freaking sports. Who cares? But now we're talking about stuff that deals with real life. People do care. And so I had to, I had to make sure that the people around me knew that I cared about them. But then I also had to learn to find out who was persuadable. Because the first thing, you can see this happening in the House Speaker vote right now. I don't like Matt Gates. I don't care. I've, I've, I've never met Matt Gates, not had a single conversation with him in my life. I know several people who do know him, and the opinions are extremely mixed. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like Matt Gates. Do you think Jim Jordan would be a good speaker or not? Well, Matt Gates didn't talk to me. I don't, I don't care. Did, do you think Jim Jordan would be a good speaker? I, I don't care. A lot of people do care about stuff like that. You know, we, we kind of never leave high school in a way. Now, not everybody who says that's the reason they're voting against Jordan, that's the reason. 
So you want to flesh out the false objection. And one way that you find out who's persuadable, who just disagrees with me, but it's not personal. They're not trying to knife me. They're, they're not trying to stab me in the back. They're not trying to betray my constituents. Is to build real relationships with people. Now I'm going to warn you. After I took Mr. Michelson's advice, I had a couple of very high profile and difficult situations of people that I had built those relationships with then stabbing me in the back. So that's going to happen. So prepare yourself. Okay? Particularly in this business. That's going to happen. But you'll learn who not to waste time on. Doesn't mean, you know, be a douchebag to them or not friendly to them. But you just know, I'm never winning that person over. They're not with me. But you know that now. Who to waste time on. I can maybe, I can maybe flip that person. Who to listen to. There's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. All right, yeah, this person, even if we don't agree right now, they might have something interesting that I need to consider, so let me hear them out. And then, when they come after you for being unwilling to yield to their system, they will have nothing to condemn you with other than they just disagree with your principles. And, and you're going to see... In this business, if you ask around about me, you're going to get people who can't stand me. But you know what you're never going to find? You'll never find this. Someone who says I lied to him. Someone who says I swindled him. Someone who says that I didn't follow through on something I said I would do for them. If they can't stand me, it's because of what I believe. And no other reason. And that's one of the ways that I've continued to survive and thrive despite driving a pretty hard line. Is I treat people, when I'm off the mic, I treat people, agree or disagree, as well as I possibly can. Because we're all made in the image of God. Now in the arena, it's on. But out of the arena, it's not. And how can I help you? How can I serve you? What can I do for you? So, Build as many relationships and as much rapport as you can. I'm saying this assuming that you can do this without getting sucked in. Some people can't. I can. I'm just that weird. I, I, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I once went to a meeting with the Speaker of the Iowa House. Him and his benefactor uh, took me out to lunch to the, at, the t- at the time, the fanciest restaurant here in town, 801 Grand. And uh, they took me up there and, and got a private suite and uh, and ordered me lunch, and they were trying to they were trying to schmooze me, basically, trying to win me over. And we had a good time. We told a lot of jokes, laughed. You know, when it was done, I I looked at him and our spe- house speaker and his benefactor. And I said, "Hey, I just want you guys all to know, I'm going to do my show the same way I've always done it this afternoon. I appreciate the lunch. I do. Thank you for picking up the tab. I really enjoyed it. I'd love it if we could still hang out and be friends. I really enjoyed the company, but it's not going to alter what I do on my show at all. And if you guys keep your promises to my audience and, and do what's right by them, I'll be the best friend you ever had. And if you don't, you're going to wish my daddy wore a condom that night, no matter how many times you buy me lunch. They never did buy me lunch again after that. <laughs> okay? So maybe you can't get sucked in. You, you, if you can do this without getting sucked in, I think it's a very valuable thing for people to know that you're doing this, not because of ambition necessarily or ego, but when you drive a hard line on the principles it's because of conviction 
because they've seen the whole of you. They've not just seen the ideologue or the political side of you, but they've gotten to know a guy named Rocco. That's my advice. Aaron, you want to add or subtract from that in any way? Do you still have the email pulled up in, in front of you? I do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, does his last name start with an L? I just have Rocco written down, so mm. I don't know. Okay. Well, I would say it's a very <clears throat> it's a very important thing. The tone of that email, and I'm not talking about tone as in that's the most important thing. No, far from it. Very thoughtful, very contemplative, very strategic wording. Be that person. Thoughtful, strategic, thoughtful, strategic in public. And I think at the end of the day, if you are able, as, ta- as Steve was talking about, to build relationships and pe- be uh, the same person in this email that you are in public, I think you'll have success. Talking about a, uh, a rural part of, uh, of New York in, uh, in upstate, you're going to have, I think you could still have success there. But it's incredibly important, incredibly important that you are the same person no matter which medium people see you on. And I'll leave it at that. Mary Ellen says, when we were young, boomers said never trust anyone over 30. Now that we're old, we are saying never vote for anyone under 75. (laughs) Our generation has always been arrogant and self-absorbed. Time to let a younger generation develop their unique generational sin. Revival or bust. I love the way Mary Ellen worded that last line. And one thing I've said to my ki- all three of my kids while raising them is learn from my mistakes. You're going to witness, you've witnessed a lot of them in my home. You've seen me make a ton. You've lived with me all these years. You've seen me make a ton of mistakes. Learn from my mistakes. Do not go out there and repeat them. Go make your own mistakes. My assumption there is twofold. Number one, that I am a sinner and I made mistakes. Number two, that they are sinners and they will make mistakes. My hope is number three, that by learning from my mistakes and not repeating them and making their own they will do better than me. They'll exceed me. A lot, of the mis- a lot of the problems that we have within human nature in any generation is the repeating of mistakes. They're not learning from our own mistakes, repeating them. One thing I've tried, I've, I've tried to not make the same mistake twice. I failed at that too, but, but I, I try to learn from my mistakes. And so I, I love the way that Mary Ellen put that. That it is time now for another generation, basically what I hear her saying, another generation now, it is time for them to make their own mistakes. We don't make movies as well as the boomers did. We don't make music as well as the boomers did.
There are definitely things to learn as a Gen Xer from the older generation, both good and bad. But I agree with Mary Ellen's last line. It is time now for the next generation to go and make its own mistakes. And, and mis mistakes we shall make. But hopefully, we can exceed the previous generation by learning from their mistakes and not repeating them. The frustration with the boomer generation, and this is really a frustration with any generation, is just one more trip around the mountain. Cycles, just repeating themselves. I think it is uniquely a problem in the boomer generation because it has uniquely hung on to prominence longer than any other generation. I think of other generations that held on to prominence this long and kind of not just accepted retirement and moved on and walked off into the sunset, got on the ship to Valinor, okay, and left, realizing their time had come, we'd probably, Aaron, be saying the same things about them. But they did do that, and so we're not. This generation won't do that. And so it's more prevalent seeing the cycles of behavior repeating themselves. And I really, that's why I liked the way Mary Ellen put that at the end. It's time now for a new generation to chart its own course, make its own mistakes, commit its own sins, and it will. And hopefully learn from ours. The last part of what you just said is, is the operative phrase. And hopefully learn from, from the previous generation's mistakes. You know, I, I, my, my fear is... I'll, I'll give my fear and my optimistic take here. My fear is, is that we are just a culture and a society so far gone, so far gone, that the, that the concept of learning from mistakes is just completely foreign. It's like it doesn't even exist. It's like it, it's operating in a different paradigm. Because in a culture under Romans 1 judgment or in the time of the judges, we're operating on a, under a completely different paradigm. Learning from your mistakes is operating from a paradigm where there is good and there is evil. When you're operating in Romans 1, though, or time of the judges, well, every man is a law unto himself. That's my fear. My optimistic take on this is that maybe because, and I don't think this is true, but this still is in my mind, Maybe because of everything that we've experienced, we've gone in my lifetime, in my adult lifetime, we've gone from what does it matter what couples do in the privacy of their own bedroom to if you don't use your kids' preferred pronouns in California, we could take them away. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty, it's a pretty steep cliff that we just dove off of there. But maybe just because of the fog of that war, we're not noticing some other changes that are taking place beneath the surface. Maybe some different courses that we're on. Now, taken to the extreme, I would say things like uh, America first versus t America only. That's an extreme. But I have seen a shift away, and I think this is a good thing, from, uh, in, on the right, from forever wars. I remember in 2001, mm -hmm. 2003... Boy, it was jingoism on full tilt. I remember that. I was only 10 years old in 2003. I remember that. I would have been one of the people probably uh, pumping that myself at that time. But so, yet, yeah. 
we've moved away from that, and I think that's a that's a good thing in its proper context. Of course, taken to an extreme, I learned from that mistake. Taken to its extreme, yeah. that's America only, guys. We we mm-hmm. overturned Roe v. Wade. Now, what the plan is? Again, we're getting into the, what's the plan, but that's a that's a positive momentum tilt. So that's my optimistic take on that on that kind of notion of of the next generation. Are we so? blinded by the fog of war that we haven't noticed that there are opportunities to actually move the ball forward even as we're losing ground on some really important things there are areas where we are learning from mistakes and there are areas where we do have a chance an opening that we did not have 40 years ago to move the ball forward especially on on things like the life issue so that's where i don't want to say pull punches that's where i'm not totally completely like I'm 99% there, maybe 99.5 given the day. I'm not, I cannot allow myself to go full on. We're just completely, completely screwed. Does that make sense, Steve? Sure. You bet. I think Carrie in Colorado here says it well in a note that kind of speaks for itself. She says, I love you guys' show. And I love hearing the religious younger male view of things. I'm very relieved there are still well-spoken, right-reasoning men and women in the world. For full disclosure, I'm a uh, I'm a boom a boomer born in the in, in uh, or I'm a boom buster born in the late 1960s. Witnessing all the boomer generation and changes as a child to a young teen, I identify with Gen Xers and not boomers. But I never got the IT education nor the hiring bonuses of the first Gen Xers. I just want to tell you about the boomers I know. It's a generation split into two halves, almost equal. There's one half of dogged, long-forgotten, over looked boomers who kept society going for your generation, doing their jobs, raising children, passing on the God-given and righteous culture of America. Uh, And then you have the counterculture degenerates of the boomer generation. Um, th- uh, these are the socialist, weather underground, recreational, drug-using, sexually perverted half of the generation firmly believe that they know what is best and that they have been practicing a lot of peer pressure, Alinsky tactics, cancel culture since the summer of love turned into Altamont. Great references. They truly believe they are close to the dream of the weather underground caught on tape by an infiltrator of eliminating the 25% of their generation to usher in the utopian totalitarian dream or Malthusian ethics. Please realize that many of the boomers fell for the tune in, turn on and drop out counterculture narrative introduced to educated middle class boomers by post structuralists from Europe. I know many of the besieged half of the generation. They are always working, always justifying their lifestyles and are filled with burnout or shell shock from the years of living the American dream during the first wave of the culture wars. Some seem to be apologizing for their lives, but they passed the baton to boomer busters and Gen Xers like me. I fought my fight by standing up to all the counterculture pressures of the 70s. No drugs, protest, abortion, seances, corporate corruption, etc. I married, raised two traditional Christian children. I don't apologize or minimize my struggle. All my neighborhood and school cohorts, those drugged out, divorced, counterculture folk, folks are long brain dead or in the grave. I'm still standing and blessed each day by my children. When I listen to your show, I realize that I have passed the baton to my children and your generation. Thanks for taking up uh, the baton and fighting in your generational Malu. Malu, keep up the fight. Uh, and your show and your children uh, give us hope for the future. That's from Carrie in Colorado. I think, it's a, I think that's very well said. But I, I really think this last part. I realize I have passed on the baton to my children and your generation. See, this is why I'm not entirely confident our generation will do better. Because I just don't think that that baton has been passed. I don't. And 
I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking a question. So maybe they do, and you can tell me in the inbox if they do. Is there a line of succession at John MacArthur's church? Is there a line of succession at David Jeremiah's church? Is there, I mean, two of the greatest, is there a line of succession at these places? These two of the greatest Bible teachers of our era, of our time. But they're also not getting any younger. Is there a line of succession there? Does, does, the, does the church know who has been trained and groomed for years to take over for those men when God calls them home? Maybe they do. I don't know. I'm just using them as examples of what I mean. Because I think this is also the least trained any generation has been by the previous generation in the history of our culture. I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't know of a time that a generation did less to train the next one. Oh, it's the opposite, Steve. To replace it than this one, than, than, than the boomers have. It's the opposite. Go ahead, Aaron. Your generation and my generation are the most trained. And that's the problem. We've just been trained in all the mm. wrong things. We were trained how many times, your generation especially, vote GOP to save America. Yeah. Now, yeah, with, uh, with yeah. the most recent iteration of the boomer generation, they're just... Uh, brashness is the message. Crassness is the message. Memes are the message. Memes will save us. No plans will say we've been trained in all of the wrong things. We are the most trained generations in America. It's just not the things that, you know, we should be passing on. Yeah, that's not the training I was speaking of, but you're you're right about that. I mean, you just look throughout the culture right now and ask yourself with Who's the 45, 50-year-old guy ready to lead blank? Was groomed, prepped, prepared to lead blank? I mean, ultimately, when the other generation inevitably learns that uh, the, the death stat is still 100%, someone in our generation will take over. For sure, that's inevitable. I'm not talking about it happening organically. I'm talking about having it happen purposefully. They were prepared. They were, in the, in the proper sense of the term, they were groomed. They were taught. They were mentored. And so they're ready to assume that mantle. I, you just don't see that across much of the culture. And that's something that I don't think's ever existed in any previous generation of our country either. We'll come back. More Feedback Friday in a moment. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. Brought to you by our friends over at Fume. You know, cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, especially as we get closer to the Thanksgiving time of year. But there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo. Um, or, you know, something else your crazy neighbor has uh, suggested. We're talking about our friends over at Fume. Uh, they look at your problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is bad. So instead of drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit and use Fume to do that? It's an innovative, award-nominated device that uh, does just that for you. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural instead of vapor. Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all natural, delicious flavors. So... 
Instead, a bad fume is good. It's a habit that you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easier. Your fume comes with adjustable airflow dial, so it's designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting as well, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for distressing and anxiety while breaking your bad habit. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. See if you might be there next. Get the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com. Use the code Steve to save 10% on that journey pack. Fume, F-U-M, as in Mary. M as in Mary. Tryfume.com. Code Steve to save 10% on the journey pack today. Again, that's tryfume.com. Using the discount code Steve to save 10% on your order. All right, let's get back to Feedback Friday. And Aaron, I actually, I really want to, actually, let me do this one really quick. Rudy writes, um, I just really want to give you guys a thank you for kicking me in the butt that I needed to begin my walk with Christ. The other day I was talking with my 13-year-old daughter and discussing the possibility of going to church. I haven't been to church since around 2008 when I was in basic training. First of all, thank you for your service. Uh, I believe that God brought me to you guys' show and has helped me get me started on this journey. And because of you guys, I'm going back to church and my daughter is going with me. So thank you and God bless all of you. That's Rudy. And I just want to say, stories like Rudy's are the prime directive of this show. Winning elections is not the prime directive of this show. We don't mind winning them, but it's not the prime directive. Stories like Rudy's is the prime directive of this show. Promoting a political party or even a political ideology, not the prime directive of this show. Stories like Rudy's is, or are. And so that's why, and, and that's one of the reasons why we just don't compromise like some others do. If our goal was to win elections, and, and by the way, Aaron, are we saying that the goal of winning elections is unprincipled? Is, is no. that the claim we're making? Far from it. No. We're not claiming that at all. No. Yeah, but if that was our goal, then we would look at things like coalition building a little differently, right? We would, we would, um, we would, we would, we would look at the methodologies of what we're trying to do here differently, because the end result that we are aiming for is to make sure people we agree with win elections. That's our prime directive. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not against that on any level. It's not my prime directive. It's not this show's prime directive. And. One of the slippery slopes you can get into when you're trying to affect a worldly outcome is the temptation to water down, alter, change, what about your principles in some situations because doing so is politically advantageous to you or not doing so puts you at a political disadvantage. We're not going to do that here on this show. And the reason why is because our end game is not promoting a political ideology or winning elections. Our prime directive is stories like Rudy's. And if people see us out here willing to constantly contort and twist our convictions and what we believe to an outcome, they might be more inclined to say, well, that might not be for me. It just sounds like how everybody else act, acts and behaves and thinks. That's the perils of a narrow road. The first word of narrow road is narrow. <laughs> and so that means it can be tough to navigate. 
harder to drive on a on a in a wider road or a narrow road. Much harder on a narrow road. And I would trade a lot of elections for stories like Rudy's if it got if if our un, if our unwillingness to bend to the to the crowd at all made you think maybe there is something different about you guys. Maybe there is something different about what you believe. Let me check it out. I'd make that trade, Aaron, any day of the week. Because that's ultimately how you save a country, more than elections. Rudy, thank you for taking the time to, to write that email. It's an encouragement to us, and I can speak, I'm sure, for, for Steve and Todd when I say that. Not because it satiates our ego or just uh, pats our, our specialness. No, far from it. It's because this show happens to analyze the world around us, including politics, from a biblical worldview. And so many times... When you watch what's happening with the fake speaker pillow fight that's going on right now, our reaction, or at least my reaction a lot of the times is, what the heck are we doing here? What are we doing here? And so when we hear feedback like that, it it really heartens us because as Steve said, the prime directive of this show, in spite of all of our foibles, when Steve believes something, he goes to the mattresses on it. And that wrinkles feathers. It flies in the face of, of human nature, which wants to be petted and wants it to be satiated in its wide path that leads to destruction. It's not an, it's not a, an easy sugar-coated pill to swallow. It really isn't. But for those who do, for those who understand whom we, we represent, we don't represent Aaron and Todd and Steve. We don't represent the Republican Party. We don't represent conservatism. We don't represent fill-in-the-blank thought leader, fill-in-the-blank uh, fill philosophy of, of the day. We represent our Lord and Savior, who, in spite of our foibles and, and in spite of the packaging that, that we come to you in, works through us. It's incredibly encouraging to hear those notes. Because, like I said, to kind of open up this answer, on a day-to-day basis, you can catch me saying, and you can catch me even going to the extreme of, of Jonah, uh, no, please destroy Nineveh over there, please. I, I, mm-hmm. don't, I don't want to have anything to do with this. What are we doing here? This is pointless. But no, it's not. Not if we are faithful. Not if we are faithful in our mission. Not if we are faithful in our prime directive. And so, um, Rudy, I really appreciate that note. So, in a minute, Aaron, I want to get your... That's very well said, by the way. Thank you. Um, in a minute, I want to get your take on something we're launching at, at Blaze TV, here on Blaze Media next week. Uh, but first, a word about our friends over at My Patriot Supply. If you're seeing the crazy headlines out there, from international crises and threats to corruption run amok, what's happened with the economy, inflation, etc. You know what? Might not be the worst idea out there just to be prepared. It is. It is better to be prepared for something and then not need it than to need it and not be prepared. Get the three-month emergency food kit from our friends over at My Patriot Supply. It's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, even drinks and snacks. That's the full 2,000-plus calories that you need every day. There's well over a dozen different types of meals inside, so you can mix and match for variety. Free shipping as well. Stays good for up to 25 years. You can't beat it. All right. And right now um, you can get uh, $200 off on your food security right now. $200 off on your food security right now. And you can now get same day shipping if you order today by 3 p.m. 
Order today by 3 p.m. to get same-day shipping, too. All right? Go to preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. You tell them you want the three-month emergency food kit when you go to preparewithdace.com. All right, so we're going to talk more about this on the show next week when Todd comes back, maybe, we hope. (laughs) We'll see how he's feeling. But next week, Aaron, we're going to launch a a new endeavor here on Blaze Media. And it's in response to what has happened to so many. I mean, Aaron, how long were we off of of YouTube? Could we not post on YouTube last year? It was like six months or something? Yeah, it was a long time. Between 2020, 2021 and, and last year. So consider YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world. You, you know, we're on one of the biggest platforms in this industry, and we didn't have access to that size of an audience because of our willingness to, to, to seek out and search the truth when it came to stories like January 6th, the election, and COVID. Um, our colleague Sarah Gonzalez stated an obvious fact about gender on YouTube. That content was removed. She was locked out of her channel. And her channel, she's been told by YouTube, is going to remain demonetized unless she deletes dozens of videos from it, which she's not going to do. Think about our friend and colleague, Daniel Horowitz. I mean, he's, how much has he been right about on COVID other than virtually everything? And yet, almost all of his columns had to be kept off of Facebook and Twitter until Elon took over. Uh, because of uh, them getting throttled and banned and censored. Uh, Google demonetized every single one of his COVID arguments, then buried them so deep in the search algorithm, you'd need a Lindsey Graham level of body cavity search to find them. So here's what we're, we're, we're launching on Tuesday the 24th. That's next week. Because um, we're kind of just sick of playing this game. We're going to launch, and details on Tuesday, uh, but we're going to launch Blaze News. Blaze News is coming on Tuesday, and the details you'll get and learn more about then. But this is our attempt to kind of answer back to what big tech has done to us. What are your thoughts, Aaron? Incredibly important. As much as we can build the alternative ecosystem, not just the alternative economy, I'm in support of that because the ecosystem in which much of this world, especially in our country, operates is directly opposed to anything that has to do with what we're trying to maintain and conserve and and conserve and pass on to the next generation. And so a, a crucial part of that is the information that we, we can actually um, propagate and get out. That's a huge part of this. Credit to Elon Musk for, you know, it's still not perfect, far from it, at, at Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Still not perfect, mm-hmm. but... It's a lot better, a heck of a lot better than it was under the previous ownership. And the Blaze, I know, is, is committed absolutely to, uh, to pretty much the nth degree on, on conserving what truly is free speech. Being able to question, being able to uh, form and, and counteract the harmful narratives that are pervasive in, in, our, in, in that in that ecosystem, the bad ecosystem that we're trying to get out of. So I'm excited to see this, Steve. I know you have, have you seen previews of, of what this is going to look like? A little bit. Yeah. And, uh, it's going to look first class. It, it's going to look really good. Really good. 
I'm excited to get people's reaction to it for sure. Um, let's close with this, with this note. This is from Trina Brousseau. I'm a nurse at the VA and they tried to force me to get the jab and also to administer it. I asked for a religious exemption because of the association with abortion. I was denied on the first attempt. So I wrote what was essentially a research paper about how they couldn't deny me a religious exemption and threatened to go to the Thomas More Legal Society. Then I called on my prayer warrior friends and had rosaries prayed for me. Lo and behold, I got the exception on the second attempt. I still have to defend my position to supervisors and coworkers sometimes, but I still never have or ever will receive uh, or administer the jab. They are forcing the flu vaccine on me, but I haven't figured out a way to get out of that one just yet. That is from Trina Brousseau. I just thought that was pretty badass, man. Yep. And I, I think it's, I wanted to close with um, a positive, just not taking it, fighting back. And, uh, and then the, the, the reason that last line of her note is important too is she's recognizing, man, that the battle isn't over. This is an ongoing thing. This stuff's never going to stop. And so I've got to have resolve. And, and we all do. Um, and, and so I wanted to give Trina just a thumbs up, man, and a brownie button and a helmet sticker on the way out the door here this week. You know, on Thursday, we're going to have a special, another special edition of Theology Thursday, this coming Thursday, next Thursday. And um, it's a conversation between you and Jeremiah Johnson. Don't want to give anything away yet. I'm not going to give anything away. And I was skipping through that. Haven't watched the full thing yet. Um, but I was, I, I got in on the part, part of the conversation where you were, you were telling him, you know, I should not be the one that's teaching theological truths. I'm the one that should be equipping and sending people out. And here's how you translate what you believe, what your faith uh, informs you. Here's how you translate that into action. Because we talk about the prime directive of this show. The prime directive of the show is basically, I think it's St. Augustine, pray like the results are up to God, work like the results are up to you. That's what you just heard in that email. She worked and she prayed. Hmm. That both of those things are a result of faith. And hats off. And that, that is a good way to go in, in, into the weekend. Because at the end of the day, each one of us, and this goes down to the granular level, whether we are looking to uh, change things politically, whether we are looking to change things in our home whether we are looking to change things in ourselves, in our marriages, it really does come down to pray like the results are up to God, work like the results are up to you. It's both and, not either or. Don't make that mistake. Because what, what we have done for a generation, talking, talking about a generation, we've done one or the other, but rarely both. When we do both, you're, I think you'd be surprised at the granular level and at the grand level, how things and how fast things can change. Amen. Amen. Well, I've really enjoyed being down here in Dallas uh, the last few days and uh, got a chance to meet and, uh, and get to know several really cool people. Um, Two, I got to do two rounds of country club food. That never sucks. <laughs> All right. Uh, but uh, it was just, uh, uh, 
a really a, 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 a great week down here. Anxious to get back home, though. Uh, anxious to get back home, but a great week down here. And a lot of the discussion was, uh, what's next for the pro-life movement, for example? What's post the post-row world look like? We got caught on our heels, and so how do we adjust and 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 get back on offense? I mean, how do we end up on defense after our biggest win? And a lot of people willing to have a pretty earnest and direct conversation about that in multiple ways. So I found that to be very encouraging. So uh, another example, hopefully, of there being wisdom in a multitude of counsel there. We got about 30 seconds left, and it might be the last 30 seconds that I will ever be on air with you, Steve, after what's about to happen in overtime. You're going to do it yourself? Yeah. Are you flying solo? No, I'll have some friends along with me. Friends along with you? Yeah. Now I am scared. Now I am scared. All right, I'll see you guys again on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.